Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close, you can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. Hey, I'm Tyler. I'm Casey. And you're listening to the Frequent Element Podcast. Frequent. What's going on on my woods, people? We are frequently, apparently, doing this thing called podcasting <laughs> in the truck. In the truck. It's me and KC. That's it today. You don't get Eric and Greg and all that, man. You got to pay extra for that. Uh, we actually right now are on the way back from Arkansas. And, yeah, not, and I can't tell you in particular, but I can tell you one place it's not, and that's Smoke City, Arkansas. It's <laughs> 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 not where we were at. That's hilarious, dude. Uh, yeah, we had we we had a great trip recently, and we spent some time. Maybe KC might have talked about this in the last podcast. We spent some time hanging out with our newfound friend Clay Newcomb, uh, who we appreciate tremendously. Um, there's a lot of Clay Newcomb fans in the world, and it, it's because he's a genuine dude. Yeah, you know, he's a real deal, man. He is. Hey, uh, we spent a bunch of time with Clay, and we had to work our tails off on this trip. So you'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, sadly, we didn't get to do an Element podcast <coughs> with Clay. We wanted to, but there just is only so much time in the world. We did get to do the uh, Rutfresh Radio intro with Clay. Uh-huh. So if you haven't heard that, that's uh, the uh, the last episode of Rut Fresh um, we did with, with Clay. So you can go hear kind of how that went mm-hmm. uh, and uh, check that out as well. But we got to do a lot of hunting and a lot of hanging out with old Clay. Yeah, we did, man. Got to, uh, you know, we got to share a really awesome experience, camp experience, because of one of our friends, old Scotty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott gave us the um, <clears throat> pretty much the keys to his house. He also was there for a lot of the days with us. It was kind of a long trip, and um, he was there a bunch with us. Cooked for us. We didn't ask him to do none of this. Uh, he offered this up, in fact, um, and cooked for us. And let me just tell you, you know, like you could go down and, and hang out some duck camps in Louisiana and get the <clears> – <throat> like you would figure there would be some good cooks down there in Louisiana, uh-huh. right? Like uh, Cajun country, food's a big part of the culture. Let me just tell you, Arkansas, this dude right here, Mr. Scott, <laughs> can cook. There was he some can. stuff. 
I, I frankly I ate several things that I had never eaten before. That was neat. Yeah. It's not often you get to eat things you haven't I eaten. I know. It's usually burgers and burritos. Yeah, you know? exactly. Some variety of chili powder is usually the way we roll. But it, <laughs> it, that was different when Scott was around. It was uh-huh. yummy. Uh, there's this like, and Scott is like a southern gentleman type, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, good accent, man. Like, the, yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. And mm-hmm. uh, there's this southern hospitality side of things. Not anything against our northern buddies, but, like, southern hospitality is kind of a thing. Yeah. And uh, Scott kind of taps into that real well. It's like a, hey, you're our guest. We're going to take care of you type deal. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a servant heart, really mm-hmm. appreciative of, of uh, really, the delicious food uh, that we got to eat. What was that thing that he cooked the ducks? What was he that He didn't have called? a name for it, but it pretty much put, was like duck Alfredo. Almost. Well, he had a, yeah, he there was a there's a chicken recipe that's more commonly known that is what he modeled Oh, after. that's right. It was uh, Marry, Marry Me, Me chicken. chicken. That's yeah. it. It had gummage. Yeah. Came to us at the same time. That's right. Um yeah, so he did that with ducks. Man, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about on a just day when you're just, you know, getting pounded by rain, you oh. know. I mean, that's just the final. Warm the belly. Yeah, warm mm-hmm. the belly, go to bed just feeling full and saturated with just all kinds Get of good stuff. Four man. and a half hours of solid sleep. <clears throat> man. man. It feels great. Man. <laughs> Get less when you go home. Man, <laughs> th- this this trip was surprisingly tiring. Yeah. I, I, I expected it to be difficult hunting, uh, but I, it was surprisingly time-consuming and tiring. How many more T's can I use here? I don't know. Uh, taxing. It was taxing, man. It was uh, tremendous, tumultuous. <laughs> it was. It was uh, I, treacherous. I don't want to say terrible. It, it was terrible. At times, uh, treacherous. Yeah, you at know? times, ter- yeah, for sure. Um, so... We'll talk about some of the tactics and things we were doing or whatever, but, man, it really was, like, such an experience to go do just hunting different, you know? Yeah. Like, man, there's there's a culture around this stuff, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. The, the house we stayed in was, I mean, it was by no means, like, fancy, right? It was a really old house. But very yeah, comfortable. Yeah, built in almost 100 years ago. It was yeah. built in the 24, I think. Been underwater. Said. Yeah. You know? And then you go in there, and they've done a little remodel stuff. But it's a hunting camp, you know? And it's it's uh, what you'd call rough comfortable, I think. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, got bunks. But the neat thing is, is there are pictures on the wall from, like, years and years of bucks and outdoor adventures. You know, there's trout on the wall. It's just cool, yeah. man. You know? And Scott's, Scott's, like, genera- generationally been in this area i yeah. think his dad's uh, kind of got him into hunting and fishing yeah. in this area a his long dad time was ago. a commercial uh fisherman that's right i yeah. forgot about that yeah and yeah. that's how we got introduced to buffalo ribs yes which is really neat yeah it is it's a good way to use a fish that otherwise is not utilized yeah. pretty much you know yeah exactly. not by fishing or like by uh sport fishing or by delicacy yeah. fishing if you're unfamiliar with this there's a there are um Two species of fish, smallmouth buffalo and bigmouth buffalo. They're sucker fish. They're a native sucker to North America, not like a carp. And um, they have a very oily white flesh that most would say is unedible. Inedible. 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 Yep. Not un. Inedible. Yep. Um, 
but apparently you can utilize the rib cage of these fish and eat it and fry it up, and it's really good. We had yeah. some. And I, I didn't know that this was a thing, really, but in, until last year I started figuring this out. But in Arkansas, you can, like, we f- we were eating fish from local rivers. Yeah. It's yeah. very cool. Just could pick commercial fishermen going out and getting a few off trot lines or whatever mm-hmm. they do it and and uh, selling them to local restaurants. Yeah, and uh, like it was, it's legit because they were like, "No, that's not from the river, but this right here." Like they knew uh-huh. which ones came from local sources, which is really cool and just another part of that culture. You yeah, know, that was yeah, that was that was. It's thick neat. with culture, man. It you is. know, because this is a thing too. Um, I was talking about it last, uh, maybe two nights ago mm-hmm. at dinner. Um, things haven't changed much in some of these areas, some mm-hmm. of these parts of the country that we go to, and mm-hmm. and this is true of this area as well, where. Like people, people would sit there at a restaurant working and they talked about very simplistic things Mm -hmm. and very like localized things. You didn't really hear a whole bunch of uh, political complaining or high level philosophy stuff. It was just like, you know, talking about, oh, well, Sheila's been down there doing this, you know, or whatever. It's like very uh, small world and and in a good way, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, man. You know, to not concern yourself with all the things, man, and everything that you could concern yourself with globally has some sort of fear-mongering flair to it a lot of times, you know, and so... To go along with this, too, um, to speak on something we don't talk too much about, that that area down there is very racially integrated, uh and I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, people, it it was just, you are who you are to every person you talk to right it didn't there weren't any lines drawn yeah i really like they've, that they've been living together for a long time in close quarters right uh-huh. there's no i was saying this there's no um you know for an example around us you know there's no like highland park versus segaville or you know mm-hmm. like these in a big city they people can segregate mm-hmm. pretty effectively you know and, it, and it's not a probably a good thing you know and uh, these city, these towns are small enough that everybody just kind of has to live together, mm-hmm. and they have been for a long time. And so, like it's it's very, it's very uh, natural feeling. There's nothing forced there. It's yeah. not like a hey, we're going to make a cultural movement to make state. people integrate. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, yeah, and so I like that. Another thing about the people, all of them. Uh huh. Dude, I didn't. I I met some of the most friendly people that I've ever met. Oh, absolutely. Just like. I, we, we were leaving and stopped in a convenience store to get gas and some snacks. And this was just like the, the cherry on top of the whole trip. But like three of us checked out and the lady, the cashier called each one of us like honey or something like uh-huh. that. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, and super nice. You want a bag? You know, like everybody was very yeah outgoingly nice. We ate at a restaurant. That, you know, over the top. And uh, the owner of the restaurant comes in. So it's kind of like still a small town thing. The owner of the restaurant, she comes in about 30 minutes before closing to kind of make sure the place closes up good. She's wrapping silverware. Where are y'all from at exactly? You know, and uh, we tell her, you know, well, northeast Texas, we got some people from all over the country here hanging out with us, though, and Clay's a native to Arkansas. And um, she said, oh, you know, uh, them deer, they ought to be out there running right now with these cold temperatures. (laughs) I ought to kick them in. You know, like, I don't know if this lady's ever – ever deer hunted but like she kind of sounded like it yeah well either way she <laughs> she's trying like to help knows the southern culture and wants to help you yeah. and 
Uh, also, kind of just give you a little confidence boost, yeah, you know, which yeah. <clears throat> is also a very good business move. Uh, yeah. Because it's like, yeah, let's do this thing. You should be hanging out here hunting more. So you come in here and eat some more. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, yep. That's right, man. Pretty cool, man. It uh, is. It was, it, I don't know, the whole experience, we've talked about this several times, but, you know, as we started to wrap the last few days, man, we were so, so tired. I mean, we just, it is, it rained, you know, from pretty much day one to like, I mean, we didn't see the clouds to the last day. I mean, the sun to the yeah, last day. Absolutely. It was It was cloudy every single day. Mm-hmm. And basically, coming to the last couple of days there, we're starting to really just be tired. I mean, I, I can tell at this point now, like when I get super tired, you and me both slur our words real bad. Mm-hmm. We probably will on this podcast some. We got a little bit of rest last night, but, you know, we were coming to the end and I was like, man, you know what? This has been, despite not having the greatest deer hunting trip, this has been a fantastic, like I had so much fun. And you made a good point that actually the funnest times we had were not uh, in the deer woods on the strip, yep. which is uh, sometimes kind of new for us. And we don't we don't have that happen a, a whole lot because a lot of times we're camping in a tent, and the best moment is these deer running all over the place in the rut, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, everything else kind of stinks. But for this hunt with the camp, Scott cooking for us, the friendship that we had with Scott and Clay and each other. Except for Michael and Eric, they're not super friendly <laughs> together. But uh, they're, you know, it was just so good, man. And, and uh, that the, the everything was comfortable outside of just being out in the rain and stuff and hunting through all the mud and everything getting covered in mud and just getting up early. We're traveling pretty far to hunt stuff and trying new new places. But you know, it was just the the culture the people namely the ones we were spending a lot of time with made this trip really yeah nice, man. in particular you know our company <coughs> there we got a good group of guys mm-hmm. you know uh with our core group here at the element but um clay and scott are both like extremely talented storytellers and conversationalists mm-hmm. so like it was always good talk mm-hmm. i can't i don't like I've talked about this sometimes with, with friends and stuff. Like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of small talk. I, I'll do it. You know, I'm not a person who just like refuses to have small talk. But like, I like to, uh, like, have conversations that kind of promote growth, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. You know, or at least talk about something interesting. You know, like, oh, what do you do? Well, what do you mean, what do I do? You know, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, Scott and Clay are there really into talking about cool stuff and telling yeah. stories and all that kind of stuff yeah you know? knowledgeable dudes you yeah i got a lot of different scott had is like one of the world's most interesting man man he's done feel a lot like. of stuff he's done a lot of things but yeah you know it it was uh it was a lot of fun the culture was there man that just tingled some weird things what man. happened there just touched my <laughs> hand back here and on the deal uh and i was just like i had a weird tinge in like my hamstring you know it was kind of weird uh anyway so, outside of that, though, the logistics of this trip were intense. They were. And let's, I guess let's kind of break into that a little bit. Okay, you know? so we have got the buck truck. Uh-huh. As you all all know, this hunt will be on the buck truck series next year. On the Meat Eater YouTube channel. On the Meat Eater As far as we know. Channel. Yep. And um, what's going to happen within the buck truck is we use a lot of different types of access and a lot of uh, creative ways to hunt whitetail deer. And on this trip, the buck boat is a part of 
the access. What? What's so funny? <laughs> no, me and Eric are just laughing. Y'all are just being silly. <laughs> uh, so uh, the buck boat <sighs> is really the thing that complicated things. It, it actually helps so much uh, to be able to run the boat around on the water and um, go try to find deer. Yeah. But getting everyone deployed in a timely manner in the morning and being on the road and driving to the boat ramp and all that just was complicated. Lots of moving parts, man. A lot of moving parts. You and know? you have to coordinate three guys as to where they're going to go uh, and, like, make it work to where every person can be dropped off on the same area and pickups and and the pickup and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's there's a lot of moving parts. And each guy has a camera guy with him, too, you know. So we got Greg, Michael, and Eric who are all also have to be coordinated. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael poor little guy can't keep up with his stuff has to have people rescue him at the boat ramp <laughs> yep he does <laughs> he does uh, so you know it's it's just a lot going on man. it is there's so much involved the camera gear the batteries uh and then you add rain into the mix and it slows everything yes. down right i yes. mean michael's got to find a walmart sack yeah. you know and, what i mean yeah and you gotta um <laughs> you gotta also like understand the weather when it's going to hit and when you got to be out of the woods or when you can go to the woods when you don't have service yeah the cell phones are you know cell phones man i i love them i hate them they really help you in hunting quite a bit with some things particularly weather like it's nice to have up to the minute like hey what's going on here hey we need to take cover hey we need to you know, get off the water, that sort of stuff. Hey, can you meet me over here? Yes, exactly. Hey, man, let's make a little adjustment as to where you're going to pick me up and what time. Like, all that kind of stuff Yeah, gets a little bit difficult. You know, um, we, we can – we didn't talk about this later on, but uh, the day that uh, you picked me up from the boat but I didn't get dropped off in the boat was a – that was a fun planning yeah, session. Yeah, we should tell that story in a bit in, in greater detail. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, so the the boat was a great – uh, tool of access mm-hmm. and I would encourage people uh, if you live in an area where it's practical to use a boat to do it even when it's impractical if you can be pretty particular and maybe not over invest in something that you don't really need but like you know a tiny kayak or something like that gets you across the creek's a big deal um, <laughs> you're laughing because we've done a real tiny kayak before <laughs> we, yeah, we, we had have. a nine foot sit on top I mean this thing was hardly a surfboard um, and we used to go across this little creek we'd walk like a mile back in on public land go across this creek and hunt and we didn't even have a paddle for the thing nope. i don't think we picked up a stick every every yeah, time picked and up we a would... stick and we had a string attached to it and we would it, you couldn't carry your gear across with you so you had to get across and then we would push the kayak across the creek attached to a string. I forgot about yeah. that part of it. And so it was like a, you're playing shuffleboard. Yeah, and to it would, one sometimes if you didn't push it right, it would spin. Yeah. You sit in the middle <laughs> yeah, of the creek and spin. Exactly right. And then you pull it back, and it's, since it's spinning, like your paracord gets caught on your yep. stand. You're like, if I pull too hard, this thing's going yeah, in the, the, the bottom. The bow is going to the bottom of the water. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's I going to spin. And all. we actually <laughs> never had an accident. Nope, we didn't. And we did that the first time I got in, though, like I had my light real dim uh-huh. and you know the, the boat's constantly just rocking a little bit and I felt like I was going to fall so bad yeah. and then in the daylight I, I, when I had the perspective of what was around me mm-hmm. I was like oh I'm I'm I mean I'm moving but I'm super stable yeah. but you don't realize it in the dark yeah. and I was like 
it took me forever to get across it because I was like barely even moving my paddle stick, you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to tip over. Well, the uh, stability was much better on this trip. I yeah. actually inherited a boat from my granddad. He's my granddad was a, is a is a great fella. He uh, is suffering from dementia pretty difficultly difficultly these days and diabetes, so he's off the water um, and wanted me to take this boat and continue on the legacy, which is cool. This boat's caught. There's been more fish boated in this boat than I ever have a chance to possibly boat. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've grown up in this boat since I was about seven. He had a he had an old kingfisher before then. You remember kingfishers? Yeah. Like tri hole looking mm-hmm. deal. Um, mm-hmm. And this is just a big old aluminum flat bottom, and uh, so it felt pretty cool to get this thing out into the water. But it's it's huge. All right? It's a 19 foot boat, 70 72 inches wide, like just. You you can put a four wheeler in this boat. It, you know, literally, literally, you can. Mm-hmm. You can't have a lot of dudes or gear in there, but one guy in a four wheeler can go in this boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's great for hunting out of. There's plenty of room for gear and guys, uh, and it's still very stable and safe when there's that much in there. Uh, so it was really pretty enjoyable to cruise the river in that boat. Now yeah. we did learn some things that we need to make a couple alterations to the boat. Mm-hmm. First of all, we've got to fix a leak yep. <laughs> because uh, before my granddad was suffering from, from medical conditions, he, he still had this condition called hard-headedness uh, <laughs> where he'd just run up on stumps and stuff and, you know, like he kind of hard on stuff, which might be where I get it, uh, kind of hard on things too. Uh, but the boat, like, has got some cracks in it and stuff, so it leaks a little bit. But you can spend all day on the water in it pretty much and, and not be – unsafe Mm -hmm. um the other thing is uh we had some foggy business going on Mm, that was not fun yeah not fun at all and so i think you might need to mount a boat bow mounted light yeah on this thing brighter brighter lights one Mm -hmm. way or another whether it's spotlights or yeah we'd like to mount something there if you actually if you have an idea if you're a guy with a big old led you know light bar that that you use on a boat we send us a, a message on instagram or something Man, hunting boats are cool yeah. i'd like and i know that duck boats I'd, I'd like to see people's duck boats too because we saw a lot of cool ones on this trip mm-hmm. but i'd like to see people's whitetail hunting but like if you've got some mods or something you've done for how to carry bows like man things can get mud stomped in a mm. boat real quick mm. and that's sketchy because um even in the most stable of boats like this one is, there's times when there's acceleration or deacceleration, and if you don't have your sea legs, great, you do this like little jumpy thing, and you don't really have any control where your foot lands. So mm. we didn't destroy any gear on this trip, but um, we could have. And yeah. so, like, it would be great to stow the the important things in certain places. That way, you know, they're safer. Mm-hmm. But uh, the boat was fun. We were able to – we kind of employed this strategy a few times – you know, the, the, the thing you would think about normally would be uh, we all pull up and we disperse from there. And that worked to a certain extent. But we also did a deal where we kind of hopscotched. So I would drop off a guy one place, go up river, drop off another guy in another place, and then go up river again and drop a guy off there. And I really liked that because we were kind of all three in completely different places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we ended up feeling like we were covering some country. Um, now... The inverse of that, first off, let me say, uh, duck hunters are awesome. Uh, I am not too much of a duck hunter. I don't mind shooting a duck, but I wouldn't call myself a duck hunter. Um, 
when you're trying to whitetail hunt and there's duck hunters everywhere, it makes it kind of tough. Yeah. So one of the things we struggled with on this trip was getting away from um, human pressure. It wasn't say it's hunting <coughs> pressure, but there's just a bunch of people out there. Mm-hmm. And so that's bumping deer around a little bit. So we're in pursuit of, of areas that have a little less a little less of that. We're kind of working yeah. around the duck guys. Early in the trip, uh, the we had pretty much like the second day of the trip was opening you know, uh, opening day after the split, basically. Which is like the second biggest holiday yeah. around out oh, there yeah, after dude. the original opening. There was people everywhere. Oh, man. yeah. Dudes going everywhere. They love their love their uh, boats and their, their boomsticks and all that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I can remember kind of the, the first time we thought we found a place that was going to be away from <coughs> some pressure. Uh, we all pulled the boat up and dispersed from there. We all three had like onyx dots that we were going to head to and it's real neat actually on onyx these days um you can share like a bunch of pins at once Mm -hmm. so i had map scouted all this and found a bunch of different pinch points and stuff like that that i liked and um i was uh sharing like 10 pins with tyler and clay at the same time and then we had established like which three we're going to head to that all worked right on the right wind directions and um, we all kind of take off on our merry little way. And uh, Greg and I are walking to ours. We're not seeing really great sign. We're kind of down it a little bit. And we're just about to cross this, this low spot. And uh, I look up. And yonder is one... Tyler Jones headed my way through the woods. <laughs> How did we end up in the same place, Tyler? Well, um, so I guess my whole thought process involved around this trip was a couple of things. Um, and I try to fill this role a little bit a lot of times, but um, especially on this trip with this being your boat, I wanted you to be able to go where you wanted to go. And so I thought I will fit in and find something everywhere we go. And so that's what I was doing. And in this case, um, I told Clay to go ahead and pick his spot too. And so they, you picked, you picked what I would have picked as well. A great. It's funny how it works that way. We yep. a GLP. Yeah, a great yep. looking pinch. <laughs> we uh, uh, we both tend to, to uh, and this has developed as we have hunted together more and more and become b- better friends, but the uh, we have a very similar hunting style nowadays. We see the same things in places, and it it uh, is warranted, too, mm-hmm. so continue. So with that, I thought, okay, well, there's plenty of country down here and different things to, to hunt, you know, swamps and all kinds of stuff. I mean, this stuff's nasty. Well, um, Clay picked another good spot. I thought, and then that left me with a spot that I, I, I thought was pretty good too. And so uh, we get off, we start, we find out immediately there is a four-wheeler trail right on the bank. Mm. Like as soon as you come up the, the cut bank, there's a four-wheeler trail, and it's being used. And we're like, dadgummit. So y'all take off. Well, I, I take off, and I realize within about 200 yards that – there's almost a guarantee that this four-wheeler trail is going to go where I am going because there's a there's a kind of ridge system. When I say ridge, we're talking a difference in a few feet. Southern right? ridge. A southern ridge system where I'm going. Well, most of them four-wheeler trails are built 
out of the swamp, right? Mm-hmm. They're built in the on the ridges. So I just know that that's this thing is. I mean, I'm going three quarters of a mile, but I can tell you right off the bat, this thing is going to go where I'm going. So with that, I follow it for another probably 200 yards. Me and Eric do, and I was like, okay, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to walk another six tenths just to get in there and be you know, in the middle of four-wheeler dude country. When this had, it had fresh tracks on it, like fresh four-wheeler tracks. I was like, there's my, probably even a dude in there. And anyway, uh, we, I peel off and I'm like, I'm just going to go straight down this thing and try to hunt somewhere down the edge of the swamp. Uh, and if I can't find anything I like, KC's down there and I'm going to meet up with him. We're going to talk about it. Cause, and this, we're, we're a ways from each other. So I head down the swamp. Everything's pretty open. I don't like it. It's, you know, basically a lake. And I get down to KC, and I'm like, man. And he's he's talking with Greg, trying to figure out their spot. And, I mean, we've walked, like, over a mile at this point probably to get to y'all. And I was just like, man, I, I don't love it. And you're like, yeah, I hadn't loved it yet either. And so then we start to talk. So I look up and see you fellas. And at first I'm like, what are they doing? And I was a little disappointed. Really? Yeah, I was. Because Why? I was like, because I, we were like, had got to my pen, and I was like, why are they here? Because I was like, oh, well, this evening's ruined. But quickly thereafter, I was like, you know what? This is going to be cool. We're going to hunt together. It's going to be fun. You know, but, like, there was just the initial, like, disappointment of, like, what happened? Did I send them the wrong pen? Did they end up going to the wrong one? But it was because you didn't feel good about what was going on up there, and we're going to try to re-work was, the situation. I mean, it literally was like, I would not have done that if I felt like I had any options. Yeah. But uh, I just, I didn't have anywhere to go. Like, any if I headed the other direction, I was going to be in Dudeville. Well, what I was Tyler, be it makes me feel good to know that if you have nowhere else to go, you'll come to me. That's it, dude. That's it, man. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was, like, the initial disappointment. It quickly went away because I was like, this is going to be cool. This is going to be fun. Uh, because we don't get to hunt together that much anymore. Mm-hmm. We're, we usually, like, are on a hunting trip together, but we split up, you know, for each hunt, which is fine. It's That's cool, too. I, I like getting to be the guy who's shooting a lot where we used to like have to trade off a lot, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, um, that quickly turned into like, all right, you know, let's work through here and just kind of figure some things out. And this is a thing that I figured out on this trip more than I ever have before. Using a saddle on this trip was super helpful because I would have it with me and sometimes use it and sometimes not. And I didn't feel too bad about it that mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. if i had a big old tree stand on my back first off walking through the thicket it would be terrible but having that cruiser xc and a seeker mini platform like you just aren't that committed yeah to it, you so chad at, at cruiser his one of his favorite sayings that i've heard at least him say mm-hmm. several times is it's a tool in the toolbox yeah right uh-huh hunt however is most effective for you and to be honest if you're able to hunt off the ground because it does. You're not convicted about this 13 pound stand on your back, uh-huh. but more power to you, you know. Yeah, and in fact, sometimes being able to hunt off the ground gives you an advantage because the deer are pressured where the trees are. You mm-hmm. know, the hangable trees. You know, mm-hmm. if if you're in an area that a climbing stand can go up any of the trees, well, they probably are taking them up those trees quite a bit. But For sometimes sure. a saddle will get you, you know, one stick high, mm-hmm. and that's most people won't do that. Or you can just hunt on the ground with your stuff still in your pack. And that's yep. what we did that evening, actually. we, we were, What we were doing is we were targeting these pinch points 
where like marshes would come close together and there'd be like a little strip of land right there mm-hmm. and uh you could kind of cross that stuff sometimes it was muddy and but that's that would funnel the deer right it's yep. like a classic pinch point mm-hmm. uh we cross one and all of a sudden we start running into deer sign right away yeah. on the other side which is weird i don't know if that i think that's a telling thing as to the morning and evening movement I'm trying to figure this out. So this is actually on the flower on the podcast, mm-hmm. but this thought just came to me. I think that in that spot, when those deer are using that pinch point, they are moving towards that side of it uh, in the evenings. And they kind of hang up and they leave like staging area yep. type sign right there. Yep. And that's why there was no sign on the other side of the pinch point because as soon as they push through it, they are off to the races to go do yeah. whatever they do after dark or after whatever. Dark. Yep. Yes, but Close, on, closer to the human stuff, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the other side, where we were seeing the sign, I think that's where you see evening movement. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe that's something for us to keep in mind yeah. going forward. And we actually quickly had an encounter. We sure and, did. Uh, <laughs> uh, to make a, a not great story, you know, pretty short. Two bucks. You spot a buck. As we're walking, mm-hmm. he's looking at us, and you hit a uh, can call because you've you know used those your whole life, right? <laughs> no, I've got some inside information from a buddy there who says that uh, the can call is the ticket, and Which I'm not in the South is a thing. You know what I mean? It like, must be can calls are you know. I a think they sound thing. silly. I think they do too. But and guess what? The deer you, don't. We pulled out a call, a can call. And this buck from about 150 comes walking straight to us. Straight to us. After he'd seen us. He was eyeballing me at 150. Dude, and he goes behind a tree, and we all hit the ground. There's four of us, Mm -hmm. okay? In the middle of kind of the open hardwoods, we hit the ground. Like I said, long story short, these two bucks come and just cannot stand it. But they eventually, before uh, we can get a shot, uh, they hit our wind. Yes. And go to blitzing out of there. One of these deer, so... um, we, you the wind swirled you, weird, too. Yeah, the wind it? was being weird right there. We had established before this hunt that your standards were a little lower than mine mm-hmm. for this trip. You you have a freezer that uh, needs maybe a deer or two more in it. Yep. And um, I, I'm pretty good on meat. I actually have um, a couple places. Uh, there's a church that I know of that needs some meat for a Wednesday meal program they do. So I, I, that's kind of what I'm hunting for at the moment is to kind of share some meat. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a little bit more for your family. Um, so you're, you don't have as high standards as I do. And the buck that I see is, is probably not a deer that I want to shoot. Uh, so I just quickly go into caller mode and you go into hunter mode. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like the old days, really, mm-hmm. except I don't have the camera. Well, I didn't really realize there was two bucks. <laughs> uh, and the buck that I see is not a deer I would shoot. But the buck that shows up first in our shooting lane is a pretty nice deer. Mm-hmm. He's like at the ears, eight point, probably like a three-year-old. And for me, that qualifies. Like, I was like, oh, gosh, that's a nice buck. Well, he smells us. We're trying to, like, get the whole thing on film and, and all that. It, uh, was a, it was crazy. Yeah, it was a wild deal. Um, but It kind of started getting laid on us after that. Yes. And we, we kind of just went to hunting on the ground, spread out through that pinch. And, uh-huh. Oh, well... Um, funny enough, there ends up being six guys instead of four. That's exactly yeah. right. So after this deer encounter. It was like five or ten minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, look up and yonder comes an Arkansasan. Actually, what we did was T. Jones went over to do his classic, I got a pee, <laughs> and uh, found a tree over there. And as soon as I got ready to pee and I got my pants unzipped, 
I look up and there is none other than Clay Newcomb walking through the woods at me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because if we were hunting in Arkansas without Clay Newcomb, we would probably end up calling like the public land guys out there. Clay Newcomb's running around. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's Clay because <laughs> yep. we're in Arkansas. Yep. Sure enough, it was Clay and yep. Michael Spike, as we call him, Spike Mike. Um, and Clay's like, he's looking at us bewildered. Like, what are y'all doing here? Uh, in Clay, my spot. This is my this is my pen. And he's like, what do you mean? And we, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of. I don't mean to paint Clay in a bad light, but it was just funny. He he got either mixed up on which pen he was going to or i don't know um but we all ended up in the same place and it was pretty funny <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and we we had a good time with it um mm-hmm. but from there we pretty much went about our boating business over the next few days dealing yep. with rain and stuff yep. and, and um we didn't have any great encounters too much there that evening so we went to doing some map scouting and i was trying to find places that weren't open hardwoods. It would seem that the deer were not too much in the open hardwoods. Mm-hmm. That was the that was kind of the deal. And after that, we really couldn't figure much out. Um, yeah. We were finding sign and not really finding deer. So that make things makes things tough because you're like, and not just like old rubs. When I say sign, I mean like fresh tracks that were laid down after the rain, which mm-hmm. it was raining every 24 hours. You know, so like it, it just got complicated we zoned in on this other place that was a pretty long boat ride uh we kind of map scattered it out and yet again tyler jones selflessly selflessly kind of goes with the third spot um not because it was worse but it was a little bit longer walk yeah Uh, and um you you were like i'll do that it wasn't a terrible walk though but it was longer than the other two you can end up getting a little bit I don't want to say lazy, but, like, relative mm-hmm. on this stuff. Like, it was longer than, like, the 200 yards I walked yeah. from the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still wasn't, like, a long public land walk. Yeah. But um, that ended up being all right. Yeah, it did. So, one of those cases where, like we talked about, getting a bunch of guys mobilized in the morning and going a long ways trailering your boat to hop in the, the boat you know, in the river and drive for quite a ways yeah. as well in the Navigating dark. Navigating the fog and the deadfall That's and right. floaters and all that stuff. It, it What ends up happening is essentially by the time we drop clay and then Casey and I get out at our spot, um, I mean, it's starting to get pretty, it's starting to get light. You yeah. Know? And so uh, I get, I get to, I, I split up from KC after I took off 900 layers of jackets. <laughs> I somehow ended up that morning with every jacket I brought on the trip in my bag, except for the big old giant, what's that thing called, the Chamberlain or whatever. It's, yeah. like a, it's a huge puffy, you know. That's the only jacket I don't have in my bag. I got way too many clothes. And it's like 65, I think. Mm-hmm. So, But it's muggy, and it's kind of it was cold on the boat ride, right? Yeah. Well, I had a bunch of jackets in my pack and on my body. And I and we had rain gear, so we get to we get in there and like at your stand, you're like just take some stuff off my stand because we got to make commotion anyway right there. Mm-hmm. So I start taking off jackets, and I, it takes me forever to get out of there. And finally, you're like about near in your on your you know mini seeker, and I uh, I take off with with Eric and tow, mm-hmm. and so we kind of it's wet, so we're gonna kind of walk slow and, and see what's ahead of us. But you know at a de- not super slow, but at a decent pace, and try to kind of scout our way in there because it's getting daylight we get you know several hundred yards from you and kind of starting to close in on the spot that we're going to we're still a couple maybe a couple hundred yards from our where we had pinned 
and uh, we're walking in between a couple of, like sloughs or whatever. And I just like look over and and something catches my eye and it's a buck just like in a in a jog with his head down and head I'm like gummit. I couldn't even tell it was a buck other than just body uh, you know stance and mm-hmm. everything. So I just hit my knee immediately and Eric does the same <clears throat> and he's probably like a good five six seven yards away from me or so behind me and I said there's a buck and uh so I like shed my backpack real quick put my bow on the ground and grab the can out right because uh it seemed to work before and <clears throat> flip that can and then I and then I grab an arrow out of my quiver knock it on flip the release or the rest up and put it you know upright and when i look up i see the deer at like 100 yards coming straight at us dude just walking straight at us and i'm like no way man and um so anyway i tell eric he's coming at us, he's coming at us so he's coming at us for a second there and he kind of goes behind a tree you can't really see him and, and next thing i know he's going he's kind of peeled off and going downwind which the wind again we the wind was not what it was supposed to be very often mm-hmm. it, it, i don't know how this is it's, a thing it affect like all the sloughs and everything somehow yes. affect this and and in river country this is the thing this is a thing anyways yeah like a large body of water will affect the wind in, in multiple ways and one of the things with rivers is like you'll have these straightaways and a wind will almost go off by half of a cardinal mm-hmm. to and i don't mean eric stop getting excited back there when i say the word cardinal <laughs> i don't mean baseball sir i'm talking yeah. about like a direction it's so, saying a half of an albert yeah. holes so nothing, yeah you know? so uh half a yachty um <laughs> so uh like if it's supposed to be a west you can have a a strong northwest yeah. and it'd be consistent uh, we had some we had a, a 180 both of us one day off of where yeah, it was supposed was to weird. be i mean and so i think that uh this is another sentiment that people of the culture of that area tend to have when you talk to them or people mm-hmm. that have hunted that area is they don't ever they never talk about the wind mm-hmm. they, they never like regard the wind mm-hmm. they they go in and hunt spots and sometimes the wind works out for them and sometimes it's kind of bad but either way yeah. In the end, those deer uh, are very roaming throughout mm-hmm. that stuff, and mm-hmm. so you always kind of have a chance. You yeah. know what I mean? So our buddy that we talked to that hunts there a lot, um, he, like, I tried to get this out of him, and he told me, but then he's also kind of telling me other stuff, too. He's like, yeah, man, you kind of want to blow your wind at the water. And then he's like, yeah, them deer are in that water. <laughs> you know? <And laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like, okay. Which which one? I'll tell you this. It's actually if you can fully let go of uh, that something you know, like you got to have the wind blowing a certain direction. Mm-hmm. It's kind of refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's like man, just go find a good looking spot on the map and go hunt it, and, and it may turn out for you. You know. Yeah. But it, it certainly didn't a whole lot for us on this <laughs> trip. But I think that it would in the rut or something like that. Yeah. Right. Post rut's a hard time, especially if you don't have like the the classic Midwest like oh we left some standing corn or whatever you mm-hmm. know uh, food destination yeah anyway so um the buck's coming at us and um he starts to hit peel off downwind to try to get our wind and um it's a nasty day like i said 65 kind of muggy rainy wet everything's wet and um i pull my rangefinder up start ranging trees well the first tree i hit i can barely even see through my like it's dark not dark but like it's not fully light you know mm-hmm. it's it's shooting light by probably 25 minutes but 
it's it's a dark day. Cloudy. Cloudy. And there's like storm clouds going over. Yeah. Like dark clouds too. So I can remember like it being like sunrise and kind of bright, and then like ten minutes later getting darker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my my rangefinder lens is foggy too, and so I look there. I finally I find a tree in the in it, and I hit the um, range button, and I've got a red display. Dude, the whole thing turned red. I mean, because it just it radiates through the fog. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's like it's like if you just had a foggy windshield and hadn't put your defrost on, and then you let somebody shine their bright lights in you coming at you on a two lane, mm-hmm. can't see nothing. It just blinds you, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Well, I'm like, Dad, I'm starting to freak out. You know, I kind of wipe my my deal, my lens a little bit, and I'm trying to range some stuff, and he's coming, and, he, and I can't move the whole time because every time he comes out from a tree, he's looking, and um, and so he he finally sees us when he's probably about I don't know 50, right? He he sees me, mm-hmm. um, and stands there for a second, and then thinks, ah, that's not that's not something. And so he just starts walking on, and he's he's looking around, different, look, you know, trying to find this little fawn or whatever that just can call him. And he gets, um, he I, I'm getting some ranges. I get a range on a tree that's at 25. Like, if it had been further than that, I don't know if I'd have been able to see it through my rangefinder because the display stays lit up the like for a minute or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to. I would have to wait a minute to for it to go off. Well, the deer's moving pretty fast. He's getting downwind, and I've got one more hole, really, that I can shoot him in. So I range a tree at 25, and I see him fixing to go behind another gigantor tree. And I'm like, I start to go, okay, if that's 25, then that tree back there, he's, let's see, he's going to be, I, I, I go, he's probably 35, 36, maybe 37, somewhere in there, just like 10 yards or a little more from that tree is what I guessed. Well, it's still kind of dark and foggy, so hard to see, right? So I get, um, so basically he goes behind the tree and I draw back and he comes into my window and I got to shoot over this like over, like this uh, bent over tree, basically, this little one, little sapling. I got to shoot under it off the ground. So I draw back, he comes out from the tree and I grunt stop him perfect right in the hole of that bent tree. And I'm thinking he's amped up. He's already kind of seen something uh he's called he's been called to this deer is at 35 36 he's gonna he's in prime string jumping territory (laughs) right here right yeah so i put my my put my 30 like about chest line bottom of his chest right and uh pull the trigger and it goes way low dude and i was so disappointed well, he runs. Uh, he kind of runs off and start. He blew. He blew once, um, and and I was like, "Dang it! Well, maybe maybe he's amped up enough that you know I can hit him again with a call. Call to him again. He doesn't come back. I'm kind of talking to the camera, and I, and, and uh, I turn back around, and I'm kind of just sitting there looking, and it's been like a minute or two, and all of a sudden there is another buck, and he's closer to my wind. At about 50, working towards our wind again, and he's he's even bigger than the one I just shot at, as far as like maturity and pro and overall rack really. Mm-hmm. Like he may he may not have had as many times. I think he was a seven point, and the one I shot at was a nine, maybe ten. Mm-hmm. And but he's just of different deer for mm-hmm. sure, thick body. And he goes. Long story short, he goes basically uh, starts getting close to my wind, so I'm starting to hit him with that can a bunch. 
at like 50 and I'm kind of a little bit gun shy because I don't know I, I, the whole ranger thing just like I, I kind of didn't feel good after that after mm-hmm. missing him and having the rangefinder just blind me and all this stuff so uh i didn't try to whip one out there at 50 at him or nothing and i didn't have a whole lot of opportunities with all the brush but i was i was using that call a bunch and he wanted to come so bad dude even and, after you smelled you oh dude even after he smelled me like i would i i saw him smell us and i was like for sure he smelled mm-hmm. us so i hit him again and he starts like freaking out and like taking little jogging steps and doing circles and trying to like come back to us and then mm-hmm. he finally went into the brush after a Do minute you think that uh those deer are less sensitive to human scent because there's so many duck hunters in the woods that never shoot them that's a interesting thought for yeah. sure it's an interesting thought Potentially, yeah. yeah. Because the evening before, we kind of had the same thing go on. Where, <clears throat> yeah, like, yeah, deer smelled us, but they still wanted to be there. Yeah, I, I don't or, know. That might be two or three evenings. I don't know. One, Who knows? The first buck encounter. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that. I mean, it definitely. They were wanting the call, so either they were real ruddy or they are less sensitive for some reason. Yeah. But yeah, he he ended up being wise enough to to make his move and get out of there. So mm-hmm. I, anyway, I go and. I figure out real quick that I'm pretty sure that the range was was off, and that I, you know, I projected for that range on that deer. Yeah. And anyway, we we do a loop after that. Uh, we actually set up right there because it's like, ah, oh, we, we saw bucks here. There's something going on. I'll shoot a doe if it comes by. We set up. We sat for probably two hours, and then got down. And I did a big loop, and on the way back, I went to where that deer peeled out and took off. You know, mm-hmm. you could see, and I ranged the closest big tree to me and then went over and found where I was sitting on my knees in the dirt. And, uh, it was like four yards. It was, it was anywhere from nine to 12 foot probably. So three or four yards, right. Which would have put me at 41 from that spot. And so I, what I ended up doing was shooting a 30 yard pin at a 41 yard deer and putting it on his brisket. And he didn't move. And he didn't, he, yeah, we reviewed the footage. He did not jump the string one bit, dude. What's and up so, with these southern jumpy deer? I man? know, dude. I think he was, I think he legit just thought there was a deer there and he yeah. was super relaxed. You and know? 41 is kind of out of the range of that <laughs> jumpy spot. Yeah, that's too. right. It's further. It's yeah. further. So that's it's a little like, less explosion. Yeah, like the margins around 30 yards is the jumpiest spot <clears> on a deer. Like <clears> they're <throat> far enough away that they have time to get out of the way, but they are still close enough to hear the bow go off. Yeah, and be like, that's real loud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Where at 41, it's like, that's. You know, that 10 yards makes a pretty good difference, yeah, you know? Yeah, Um So, anyway. Man, sorry was, you had a miss. Nah, I know. It, it, was, it was a little weird, you know, because I haven't had quite the year that I wanted to, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I have shot some nice bucks, two yeah. nice bucks. But I had the, the South Dakota deal, and I think I talked about everybody about the Oklahoma thing on the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And those are two that have just been haunting me a little bit. And then, you know, this deal – and I've made good shots. Uh, the, the South Dakota deal was for sure on me. Does, I mean, it was 100%. The, the, does the podcast audience know about the like some reasoning behind the Oklahoma miss? Uh, I don't think I've talked about actually what happened since then. Yeah. I, we talked about how it was just low. Yeah. And it, but it left and right, it felt good. Yeah, so I, give I, them a little insight. Yeah, there. I took my bow to the bow shop uh, before we left on this Arkansas trip. And uh, my, my bow tech, Brett who's a good a good dude man um and really knowledgeable about this stuff he he gets my bow once he gets off of whatever he's working on and immediately just my bow disappears and i'm just talking with people you know and i'm like and, and i looking back i'm like brett had like a a mini like 
holy smokes, this is bad thing, mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't even know it at the time. He just kind of kept it quiet and started working on it. And I go back in there after he's getting he's been working on it for probably 15 minutes, and he's like, dude, your bow was three eighths out, and it was pulling 67 instead of 71. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, dude. Yeah. And, and for uh, those of you who don't know, you probably do. But what that means is Tyler was not shooting his arrow at the velocity or trajectory in which he thought he was. Yeah, so so FPS per pound, how much is that, like five? Uh, I believe or three? it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on the bow, but three to five is probably a pretty good. So if you guess. say three on the bottom end, four pounds, that's 12 foot per second slower. Mm-hmm. Five, it's 20, right? Sure. I mean, that's, that's a, making your 282 foot per second arrow go 260 or less. Yeah, or no, sorry, 265 or less, mm-hmm. you know. So at 48 yards, 47 yards, that's a that's a difference, you know what yep. I mean? Yep. And, I mean, it just it, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. And that's just – but that's the nature of the beast, what that's we archery. do, man. We go, we go hard where we go, and uh, we don't always have as much time as we'd like to go back to the bow shop and make sure everything's shooting yeah. through paper good, you that, know. Nobody does, though, dude. No, like, I mean, no they don't. That's unless right. you are just that guy. And some people, some people are. Or you're close to a real good shop, yeah. maybe. But like, it's not. It's not practical to go to the bow shop every week. No, it's not. Know? And it's not practical to put your bow on a press every week or to yeah. to check your poundage or whatever. It's a thing that happens. It's not anything against a bow either. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, no, dude. I'm telling you, we put our stuff through some rough, we do, rough man. conditions. We man. do, and uh, that's. That's why it's impressive that they hold up as good as they do that's sometimes, right. to tell you the truth. That's right. Um, but, but, yeah, so that's a, that's a – the bow's shooting good now, and the the, uh, the miss there, you know, it's it's on me because I misjudged the distance, but uh, there's some pretty good uh, excuses I think I have there yeah. um, that may – at least for me, you may be thinking I'm a clown, so that's fine, but I – I, th- I look at it and I justify it as like, you know what? I felt confident. I, I thought I had uh, judged it correctly, but it just that's the way bow hunting goes We had a, a good lot. talk about this kind of stuff with Clay. And uh, Clay, I think his line was, you got to shoot to kill. Yeah. And uh, he said he grew up with a different mentality of like, you just shoot them 20 yards and in, and you're absolutely sure of the shot. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying by any means that you – shouldn't be sure of your shot but i think that all three of us are pretty much in agreement that um you're gambling when you're using archery equipment in general yeah like it's just the way archery hunting goes uh and these um wildlife departments understand that archery is less lethal than a gun mm-hmm. that is how it is uh, now somebody out there's yelling because like oh actually arrows are more lethal than bullets but if all things considered yes you throw the shot into the mix right right then uh, it, they have a lower lethality. Yeah. And so, like, they figure that in for that. And you know what? Nothing's wasted in the world. Uh, you know, them coyotes and maggots, all that stuff's got to have something to eat. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's going to be fine, guys. You That's know right, what? Man. We don't worship these animals. That We like them a whole lot. They're awesome. They're awesome. I respect them as one of God's creations, but I'm, I'm not here to, like, just ruin my life because I'm – miss a deer happen to maybe nick one or yeah. something on and, accident you know? and dude you know trying hard to be a good shot Absolutely. is something you do Absolutely. and so it, it's when you don't make the good shot it's a little disappointing but it's also you you get over it because you've 
you know that you haven't there's not a whole lot more you could do right yeah. there's always another rep you uh-huh. know if you got that mentality and if you grew up in sports it's always another rep yeah. you can do before you die you yeah. know if you so, take two step two inches short of the line that's a state championship loss you yeah. know or whatever yeah. and i get that i do i do and, too but and like you've worked hard at it there's so. a difference in in knowing your confidence level and understanding your limitations and just not knowing what you can or cannot perform and do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're a guy who hasn't practiced much and you don't really know how good you're shooting, yeah, man, maybe work on that. But, like, if but you know exactly you. where you're dialed at and you draw your bow back and you feel good about the shot, take the shot, Yeah, man. dude. That's if you feel good about it, don't uh, – like, why would you not? I love watching birds, but dadgummit. There ain't nothing better than blacking out when you pull the trigger on a deer. You know what I mean? That's the best feeling in the world, dude. Golly. Oh, I love funny. that, dude. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, yes, that that happened. Um, we got some cool footage. Eric got some cool footage of those bucks. And, they're and swampy looking, too, They man. are. They look it's like awesome. some daggum Arkansas bucks. Yes, you know? sir. Like, as soon as you hit the Red River, man, things change, you know? Yes. And uh, anyway, we we – we basically from there continued on with kind of uh what was happening before that where we just struggled and and we we did everything we hunted all over the place i mean Mm -hmm. a big swath of country uh i mean big part of the state you know uh just trying to like figure out is there a different habitat we can be in is there a different uh you know should we be uh on hills or should we be in the bottoms or, yeah you know all, uh, how Different does this all rut work out activity like that's it, right you know arkansas is one of those places that has a picasso of of rut dates so yeah uh you can it ain't never good when you see a truck on the side of the road no. and the tire sitting sideways <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the whole wheel uh-huh. so sorry for that guy <clears throat> this sign by the way this sign has been laid over for 10 years and they will not fix it <laughs> what their it. problem is it's got vines growing on it it does dude um <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so, yes, it was uh, – the trip was overall we were trying, you know, trying different things, trying to make something happen, mm-hmm. and we were struggling. And we were we were hunting out far from camp. We had – the camp was awesome. But, um, you know, it was definitely, uh, a, I guess, a, a tiring thing to go and hunt out for, far from this stuff. But we were going to try hard because, yeah. you know, uh, that's just kind of what we do. Uh-huh. And so um, – we, we struggled and struggled to have deer encounters, but mm-hmm. you did see what you thought might have been a boar at one part. I did, Boy, I did. I, Clay I kinda... almost shot a hog, um, and then I realized <laughs> that it wasn't. So I didn't, I was being cautious. I wasn't drawing back on an animal that I was unsure of. But um, Greg and I were stalking in on this place uh, that we were going to hang, but we were getting there kind of late, so we are being real quiet and cautious. And uh, I look over at 40 yards, and there's a black thing chowing down on acorns. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a pig. Um, and then I got to look it, and the ears didn't look right. And it ended up being a bear. I saw a <laughs> black bear uh, at 40 yards just eating acorns, not, not a care in the world, man. So and, cool. and it looked at us and didn't care. It was it was so cool, man. I, like, uh-huh. uh, And we got to talk to Clay quite a bit about this. Um, Clay's very knowledgeable about stuff. And I might have mentioned this already, but, like, uh, apparently, Arkansas, the black bears in Arkansas were extirpated except for a certain area. And this bear would have had that gene. This is not a imported bear. This is a native Arkansas bear, which is God, pretty dude. cool to me, man. That is cool, yeah. man. So, and it had a real black face, you know, like yeah. it, it looked like a, a swamp bear. Yeah, it did. It was, it was neat. I, like that made the trip for me for sure. Y'all you know, dude, like I've too. seen bears in the Rockies, been close to them, but like. Man, this bear, 
me and this bear are alike. You know yeah. what I mean? Like from the south, we've sweated and dealt with the mosquitoes and stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. dude, it was cool. I I, uh, I tend to live through you and your experiences when we're on the same hunt, and I like the the bear kind of made the trip for me too. That's cool. And I didn't even see it. You yeah. know, but like the footage that Greg got is pretty immaculate. Yeah. I mean, it is cool. So this footage. bear is is just chowing on acorns. I guess it's being loud in its head. You know, kind of like you're eating a granola bar, but um. It's also real wet, so our steps are real quiet. And Greg sneaks up to about 30 yards, and I give this bear a few squeaks, hoping that maybe it'll come our way. Well, it doesn't come our way, but at least kind of like looks at us. So like mm-hmm. it, it's primo, man. It, yeah. It's very neat looking. It is cool. But so that was actually probably the highlight of my trip. I didn't. I really struggle on this trip to have good deer encounters. I got a little enamored with some some places and some sign. And I was really trying to figure things out. And man, quite honestly, if you're constant, if you're trying completely new areas every hunt, you can figure out some things, but you can also strike out a lot too. Sure so, enough. like about halfway through the trip, I decided to dedicate myself to like a, a I don't know sixty acre area. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to figure that out. And I might have figured out some things, but I still didn't see many deer. Yeah. And then on the last day. We kind of got got a little bit uh, wild, yeah. You could say, just we did. Some, you know, the yeah. boat is already what you might call creative access, but we decided to get like pretty super creative with our access that day. <laughs> Things got western, man. Yeah. Uh, so w- what we decided was Clay was not going to go boating that morning, um, and so I was I was trying to decide what to do. I hit the hay early that that night before uh so i didn't really get in on any of the planning so i woke up and asked casey what are you doing he told me where he's going and i was like man <clears throat> we we're kind of running late that morning we we're getting tired in the trip you know and just not making uh you know not moving fast and so it's it's getting late and you know it's probably like 4 45 and i gotta figure something out and i'm thinking man if casey like where i really want to go i can get in by walking but it's going to be a mile at least walk which is pretty hard considering this this terrain and then uh i'm also going to have to have hip uh, hip waders to get in there because it's rained a bunch and uh, we've got hip waders um and i'm pretty i'm pretty like man this is gonna be something you know i have to be all in on i'm trying to decide that i don't want kc Basically, if he takes me in the boat, he's got to go the exact opposite way of the way he's going, and he is not going to get in there till late, late. And so I hop in the truck, and I'm, I kind of got this idea, and I'm trying to run him through it, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to walk in, but can you pick me up? Because that'll make this a lot nicer <laughs> if you can, you know, because it, it's like a 500-yard walk out, mm-hmm. um, depending on where I actually set up. So Eric and I go, and uh, we walk in from this from you know uh road access or whatever and uh we have to cross like two or three like major slough slash creek systems uh that are flowing pretty good that are i mean one of them came within probably three inches of our top of our waders or so on the hip waders but we made it across and we we get back in here and this is the thing i struggled a lot like kc last year i struggled this year too but like i mean i had a, I had a tough hunt last year too but this was a, one of the better spots i found last year that we hunted and uh i was like i just want to give, give it a try you know i saw deer in there so 
and we're struggling to see deer right now. We go in there, we walk a mile in. Of course, we're late um, getting in there because overall everybody's late that morning. And um, we're walking in hip boots for a mile, you know. And we we get in there, we get to the spot that I hung, and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good, but I kind of really want to see this stuff up, you know, a little bit further up this way. So we continue on in. And we kind of are working our way through this country, and I, I kind of come around a deadfall, and I see a ginormous scrape, like on a just grape tree, if you've ever seen it. And the scrape is really not like opened up in a ginormous fashion, but it's muddy, so there are like tracks in like a five-yard diameter, and like stomped in the mud. I can see it clear as day in the leaves, you know, when I come around from like 20, 30 yards away. And I was like, there's a scrape right there. It's like, I walk over to it, and I'm like thinking, man, it's kind of opened up right here. You know, like, I'm just going to get try to get a shot in here and make this happen. It's getting pretty light, you know. sun's going to come up pretty quick. I mean, it's already, it's already light, but the sun's going to actually come above the horizon pretty quick. And so we try to make a tree work for forever. We're looking, looking, looking. Cannot make it work. I got poison ivy last a uh, couple weeks ago on the public land Texas hunt and stuff that we did. Me and Michael both got it. Michael got it worse than me. And so I was like, I don't really want to hang in this poison ivy tree that's pretty much perfect for us. So we get on the ground, me and Eric do. And we're sitting on, basically leaned up against two trees on the ground, just straight up Arkansas hillbilly style, you know. And he's got pretty good cover. I'm pretty wide open. Uh, but I'm, we're both in the shadows and the sun's kind of behind us, you know, and we're, we're sitting, you know, blowing our wind to where, I mean, it's open and I can't see any deer for a long ways. And I'm like, this is good, good setup. We'll have something cruise by, you know, wind is blowing into this thick stuff and deer are going to cru- cruise up and down this thing trying to win, you know, windows potentially. Well, windows, windows, that's it. Uh, trying to smell those. <laughs> And window, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So everybody's got a dough story, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna not make this last a whole lot longer. Um, uh, if y'all don't know, uh, so you might be new to us uh, from a meat eater audience or something. Yeah. We appreciate y'all being here. This is how the Element Podcast goes. It's a lot of storytelling and a lot of fun. We laugh a lot uh, and we have inside jokes. And the more you listen, the more you're gonna be in on the jokes. Yeah. There's this funny uh, meme that Tyler likes to talk about where there's uh, like this delivery truck. That maybe like is a bread truck or something. And there's like two ladies kind of laughing on the <laughs> side of the truck, and then there's this real dude standing here laughing too. And the <laughs> caption reads, "Me listening to my favorite podcasters." That guy can be you if you listen. That's a lot. right. So, you can be um, laughing too. That's the inside joke. I uh, <laughs> where Tyler coined this phrase whenever I went and uh, hunted elk in Arizona, and I uh-huh. shot a cow and was telling the big long story of the cow. And um, then Tyler's like, you know, everybody's got a dough story, man. So, <laughs> and it's a metaphor, yeah. as our buddy Clay likes to talk about, for how uh, sometimes uh, your hunting story might be more interested, more interesting to you than it is to other people. But Tyler, this one is interesting to me. Yeah, so it's, tell it's, me more it's about pretty it. cool. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, we're sitting there for a while and just chilling, and I kind of look over. I don't know if something I heard something or what. Sometimes I think that I either hear or actually see something out of periphery or something. And I don't really realize that something clued me into those deer. I just feel like I'm just scanning, but mm-hmm. maybe something actually did clue me in and I don't ever realize it. Anyway, long story short, the, uh, the, 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 I look over in this gap and like probably at 80 yards or so, maybe a little bit further, 
100 yards, there are a bunch of deer moving through the timber. I can't really see how many or what, but they're moving fast, like maybe getting chased by a buck. And I'm like, Here, there's deer. And he's like seven, seven yards behind me. So he can't really hear me great. I say it loud enough, he hears me. He gets the camera kind of rolling and these deer are getting closer. And I'm like, oh man. So I put my bow up on my knee, on my leg and kind of get it vertical and uh, range, start ranging some trees to make sure. And basically, uh, again, long story short, these does come in, kind of see me. Uh, there's four of them and they're, they're, they come, they're coming towards us, man. They get to like 40. They start seeing us. The lead one sees us and the other three just they should be able to see us and they're looking at where that deer's looking but they just like don't they just don't take it serious you know mm-hmm. what i mean for some reason they they do that a lot well they uh they come uh, the lead doe finally works breaks through her fear and she comes i had finally ranged a tree at like 30 and uh and i knew maybe it was 32 i think is what i ranged at and she comes kind of like south of that a little bit and I'm like she. I'm looking at her. I'm like she's got to be right there at 30, 32, 34, something like that. She's within a, a short window there, which is prime string d- jumping distance, right? Mm-hmm. And she's pretty amped up, and uh, and they're all kind of now. They're kind of all being weird. The three are kind of standing back for a second, and um, she goes behind these two trees that are small, but it's they're like so close together, stacked that. Um, they make kind of a little wall and she, she puts her, her head is right behind them. Mm-hmm. And then she just kind of looks the other way. And I'm like, what? She's, she's seriously doing this. She's trying to trick me, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then she kind of looks like a head. She's broadside. She's looking straight ahead and I can see her head kind of move through the crack in those two trees. Well, I'm like, man, it's kind of now or never, I feel like. So I pull, I go ahead and draw back and, um, when I do, I know what's fixing to happen because there's three other ones looking at me, right? Mm-hmm. But I got, I, I'm, this is, this is the chance because otherwise they're all going to be looking at us, you know, the whole time anyway. So I pull back, draw back, they freak out. Of course, I have to stick my bow into the sun out of the shadow and I, I draw back. The three just go nuts, start blowing and running. And the one that I was going to shoot is, um, uh, she takes like, two quick steps like oh what's going on and then she stops to see what's going on her head and the majority of her shoulder is behind this gigantic oak and i can just barely see the crease a joke a joke that's right Mm -hmm. and i can barely see the crease and so i'm like all right i'm gonna give myself a tiny bit of margin there and just put it you know behind the crease a little bit and i also put my 30 again on like on her breastbone essentially man let me tell you something tyler you do a lot of aiming that is outside of the standard. This deer is at 30 yards, so I'm going to use my 30-yard pin. Yeah. You do a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, And it's good. It's, it's a, premeditated. It's a, it's a good thing to think about and do, but it's just it, – it's it's strange, strange in the right word. It's yeah. interesting to me how often you are thinking about stuff like that. I, I a, lot of, a lot of that is, like I said, premeditated. So I, I think about – do I have a 27 to, you know, 40 yard shot? And mm-hmm. if I do, what should I do? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, things kind of happen quick and sometimes you make the wrong decision. Yeah. But anyway, I put it like on her sternum, you know, low, the 30 and pull the trigger and it goes good. And she did, in fact, jump the string. She did, in fact, jump the string quite a bit, actually, yeah. uh, it appears 
because it hit above the midline. Mm-hmm. But if you know much, uh, you know that their the high back lung is deadly. Mm-hmm. And I, and when I when I gutted her, the 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 lungs were completely had a hole through. Like there wasn't it wasn't a fringe shot. It was mm-hmm. through through the lungs. Yeah. And um, yeah, she she literally ran into the thickest brush ten yards away. And I was pretty sure I heard a crash, and I was like, oh, that was awesome. She literally, I shot her probably at 32 or so. She probably ran less than that. I mean, it was like over faster than you could imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess the rest is kind of just cool stuff you'll see on video where, you know, I, I drag her 500 yards with guts in because I'm going through swamps and stuff to get to where we're meeting KC. And we had to, like, pre-plan all this because we didn't have service. So I was like, all right, here's two pins. If I can't get to this one, there's our backup pin. pin. I'll meet you there. I'm looking then, for toilet paper in a tree because we have this yep. system of if he sees toilet paper, I need to do this, that, and the other. Yeah. <laughs> and and then funny. there's also, like, this whole thing where, if hey, if it's noon and yeah. I'm not there, go to the truck. And that's well, where I was going. worried about that because we actually come – we man, I never time things out right. I'm always five minutes late. <laughs> But I was on the dot eleven. You were, dude. And, you were, and, and yeah. that's a there's a there was a lot of moving parts to make eleven thirty happen. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised. I bet. And um, uh, we drove past both the pins, and you weren't at either. I'm like, Dad, gum it, where's he at? Dude, we were trying hard. <laughs> <laughs> we saw you, and then yeah. so I saw y'all go up past us, and I was like, man, I think I can cross this slough potentially and get a little bit further on the point because it was all flooded back in there. You're mm-hmm. having to look through the woods, you know. Yeah. And so I, I cross this slough and I get out there and y'all are coming back down I'm like they're gonna miss us and I'm like running out there trying to like wave my arms and my I had a jack uh, I had the saddle with me because it's kind of silverish you know <laughs> gray it's like the only solid I had and so I, I'm trying to wave that and Greg sees me so yeah y'all I'll, I had gutted the deer down you know by the river there uh, so that I could uh, not get her muddy the meat muddy or whatever but. Anyway, kind of got got her taken care of and put in the boat and that was cool, back, man. Which is something I've kind of wanted to do. It's yes. a dream, you know. Here in the boat is just awesome. Yep, yep. And uh, congrats on that, man. Thanks, it's a dude. big feat. Like, um, you know, it's probably kind of a a common thing thrown around is like, you know, any deer on public land is a big deal. I mean, I, I try to not get too caught up with the public land deal. Any deer is cool, no mm-hmm. matter what, you know. Mm-hmm. But this was a hard hunt and i think that that's the bigger thing than like a public land it's just it was difficult yeah. and it was awesome that you were actually able to kill a deer on this trip because i outside of um the time i was kind of the caller for you i really had no deer in range that i could shoot it's tough yeah dude. it was real tough it's so tough. big congratulations on that Thanks, man dude and after that pretty much the story wraps we do one more hunt and nobody really sees anything but the bigger story to all this is just how much fun camp was it was just and and the hunt was an adventure in itself and then yes camp was was awesome yes and i cannot wait to go back and do that again because it's it is a a lot of fun and man if you don't have good enjoyable people to hunt with you you are missing out on something i understand being alone too that's that's actually really nice sometimes as well uh i'm only child like i've said so like i enjoy my alone time but uh being able to reflect on things with other people bounce ideas off of people and uh also like share some beliefs and talk about some things open openly and passionately and also like challenge one another is a is a good thing to have Mm -hmm. you know um 
hey, why did you do that in the woods? Or, hey, what do you think about this scripture? Or mm-hmm. whatever it is, man. Mm-hmm. Having people that you can talk about that kind of stuff with uh, means a lot. And uh, that's one of the things I enjoyed the most out mm-hmm. of this trip. Me too, man. It was great. It was great. Well, we're going to get old Clay on the on the podcast one of these days yeah. and, and uh, maybe do some other hunting with him. Uh, we've already talked about it. We've already started planning some stuff. And we're seeing lots of deer right now. Do we have to stop in here? Uh, no, no okay. the stuff's at my house, I believe. Um, but, yeah, there's some deer around home, so maybe uh, there's still some deer hunting to do. Uh, I know we've got one more trip that will happen at some point, and uh, we're probably going to see our friend Mark Kenyon at some point. I imagine so. so. You might all hear from old Mark Kenyon on there. So yep. uh, I hope that you all have a very Merry Christmas. Uh, I think this what this episode should release sometime right before yeah, we may get one more in before. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows, guys? Who knows? But if you have a if you have a tag, it's still deer season where you are. So get out there and get after it. Remember to work hard and remember this is your element. Live in it. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close... You can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give them the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like them. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.